We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom. So we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Wednesday NBA DFS podcast. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me, as always, is Ben Miller. Ben, how are you doing today? Uh, good to be back. Uh, the day off Tuesday that was that was good. We have uh, the same intro every time. Are we getting a little boring? We're probably a little boring right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just think that now as I start out, like I can't help myself. I don't. I can't stray from the format at all. Otherwise, I feel like I'm going to just stumble over everything I try and talk about. Yeah, you're not wrong. We're probably getting a little boring here <laughs> to start off. <laughs> is that um, is that how we should be starting every podcast? Just admitting right away that we're probably boring. That's probably not the best way to go. But at, at this point, yeah, I feel like we're just we're, being truthful. I feel exactly. That's all. That's all we're about. This is here. Honesty, right here. Right. I feel like we're the old couple uh, that, that's been <laughs> together for a long time. We've only been doing like eight or nine episodes, but we've yeah. been together so long. We just know each everyone's like ins and outs of this whole relationship. Yeah, it's, it feels good. It's a good time. Yeah, I just know exactly what you're thinking. You know, I want to interrupt me when I'm stumbling all over myself. Yes, it's yeah. perfect. It is. It really is. Um, but I will say that trade deadline that's coming up. Yeah, it is. As I talk about wanting to jump in, no, that's getting exciting. I'm I'm really excited for the trade deadline only because we're actually seeing moves that make an impact 
a little bit earlier than anticipated. So I loved, yeah. I loved like the fever of all the moves, or even just the anticipation of them, and then not having any moves. Like I understand it kind of stinks when we talk about so many different things, like Melo getting traded, or uh, you know, like even I guess I was going to say Serge Ibaka is the next one, but he did get traded. Yeah, um, I love getting to follow along and see where they could go. It's almost as good as them actually getting moved or traded. So No, I completely agree. The whole rumors, everything in there is just the whole aspect of the trade deadline is so fun. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that and I'm I'm happy to see some of that stuff take shape now. I think the fact that Birdman got traded away, you know, four or five days before the real start of the trade deadline um, was interesting because I think that almost signifies to other teams that the Cavs are open for doing business and that we'll expect at least one move to come from that in the right, coming days. Right. I think the Serge Ibaka deal, um, which is kind of funny. I feel bad for Magic fans, um, but I think the <laughs> Raptors actually absolutely stole him away. In that in that scheme, that absolutely makes them a contender against the Cavs, and I haven't thought that for about two years, it feels like. Yeah, I absolutely love that deal, honestly. Like, the only, not not only, but, I mean, the power forward was their glaring weakness. I mean, they had, like, Pascal Siakam. They yeah. had, like, Lucas Nogera, Patrick Patterson. Um, but, yeah, Ibaka... I think that's huge for them, and I think we're finally finally getting another contender in the East that you actually feel comfortable going up against the Cavaliers. Um, so I'm just excited. You know, there's been like four or five, six years in a row where the West has been unreal when, you know, the playoffs are there. And then the East is kind of like, all right, wait till the conference right, championship. Right. And then um, and you still expect the Cavs to win. So, yeah, I'm just pumped that we're kind of help, helping those other East teams load up a little bit. Um, and I was reading about the – Patrick Patterson, you're kind of saying, well, he, that's their weakest spot. And I would agree with you, and that's more so because I think the Raptors' lineup is so strong. But when Patterson was in there, the Raptors' offense efficiency rating was like through the roof, one of the top yeah, three I best guess, teams yeah, in the league because he could space at the floor so well. So what's basically souped up, uh, souped up Patrick Patterson going to do to the Raptors' offense? I would assume really, really good things. And for DFS purposes, Ibaka instantly becomes one of those guys that you look to target all the time if he's around that 5,000 to 6,500 6, range, um, which I'm anticipating he'll probably not be to start just because there's so much hype around Ibaka and stuff. But I'm fascinated to see how that lineup plays out, both for regular season purposes, just because we love NBA, and for DFS purposes. Yeah, I'm actually extremely curious, too. I don't know, you know, and with the Magic, he was more featured because there wasn't, you know, an extremely you know big group of talent around him. But, yeah, when you got, like, Kyle Lowry, DeRozan, like, I'm I'm curious to see if his numbers are going to go down or like you know what he's going to do for their for their offense, but um, it should be interesting. I think his defense has slipped enough where I could easily see the Raptors taking him out in certain situations, and thereby that'll hinder some of his value. So I don't think he'll ever be uh, an eight thousand plus type of player, even when we're expecting him to space the floor better for the Raptors. Yeah. At the same instance, they made a big move. They being the Raptors. And in order for that move to look well, despite the fact that they didn't give up that much, I think you have to play Ibaka and you have to play him enough where he will warrant DFS consideration on most nights. No, I, I completely agree. I do, yeah. I think that's I think that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, us. no, definitely. All right, so taking a look at Tuesday's perfect lineup, again, kind of having smaller slates. We've been lucky enough, or I guess uh, unfortunate enough, whichever way you want to take it, uh, <laughs> to have covered some of the bigger nights that are going on Mondays and Wednesdays. So we're looking at the Tuesday, and we had Sunday a little bit before there, both smaller slates. Tuesday slate, we saw Ricky Rubio going against the Cavaliers at 6,800, and point guard Darren Collison going against the Lakers at 5,700 for your perfect optimizer lineup from last night. We had Lewis Williams going against the Kings, 6,100. And Norman Powell, we were just talking about the Raptors, Norman Powell going against the Bulls at 3,900 for your shooting guards in the perfect lineup last night. Small forward saw Jimmy Butler going against the Raptors at 9,300. And Andrew Wiggins, 
who is just a scoring machine going against the Cavs at 7,900 for the small forward spot. We saw two relatively small power forward options in Larry Nance going against the Kings at 4,300 and power forward Channing Frye going against the T-Wolves at 4,600. And rounding out the perfect lineup from Tuesday was DeMarcus Cousins going against the Lakers at 11,400. He was the big money-priced guy on Tuesday's slate. So, Ben, any real takeaways that you found, uh, you found from that lineup? Yeah, I thought it was surprising first. You know, Powell was in there and Nance, so those guys kind of um, not not some not two guys that you you're thinking they're going to be in there from the get go, but I actually got a pretty good kick out of Andrew Wiggins' stat line. You know, he went he he, he kind of went off forty one points. Kind of, <laughs> kind of no, went off with forty one points. With 41 what points. is actual going off for like, you then? 43, 44. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, no, that was like the, the third time he's surpassed that 40-point mark um, uh, this season. But yeah, he only had three rebounds, two assists, and a steal, though. So um, I think that kind of exemplifies his game where he's a scorer. Absolutely. And it, he just doesn't I can, rack up I can everything speak else. on behalf of what he does because I own him in season-long league. We have a 20-team yeah, yeah. uh, like Rotoware, just season long league that we it was an auction league, and I spent pretty big money at Wiggins. I thought at the time it was relatively uh, nice value because I was expecting him to to perform better than he had last year, and to the extent he has, I mean, he's been scoring and really become the most reliable scorer on that Timberwolves team. I would actually say almost in front of Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe yeah. maybe that's a little bit too much to say, but uh, Wiggins absolutely is improving the scoring part. I am severely disappointed with the <laughs> fact that he can't do anything else. Right. And it, this is not just Tuesday. This is every single game that we've played so far, the 50-plus games in the NBA seasons to date. It's just it's maddening to consider that he has he can't even do like rebounding, assists. I, I don't know. I need to watch more of the Timberwolves to really understand what's going on because I don't think he's necessarily a ball stopper. Right. Um, but at the same instance, the fact that he can't contribute in any other category is mind-numbing. Yeah, that, that cross-category production is so essential for fantasy that um, it's tough when you don't have it. But, you know, when he has games like last night, it, it, it still makes you pay if you if you pass up on him. So He's definitely a hit-or-miss DFS option. Almost in season-long, I would say, I would stay away from him at, at times, especially if you because you can you can figure you'll get points from other spots. Right. Yes. No, I agree. But you'd be harder to find uh, other category things, and the fact that he can't contribute there is just yeah, it's frustrating, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, my biggest takeaway from Tuesday's perfect lineup was definitely Channing Fry. He's a guy that we've talked about on the podcast in the past. Um, with Kevin Love being out six weeks, that's kind of another thing we didn't really discuss with that Serge Ibaka trade. That that really affects the the landscape of the East because Kevin Love does so many things for the Cavs and does them well. The fact that he's out um, is a big deal. But for DFS purposes, that's a really big deal for Channing Fry to do some really good things. I mean, uh, we saw what he could do when he was at 4600 for his price tag. Um, he was getting 33 minutes against the, the Timberwolves. To me, now that we're going to see a real surgence from Channing Fry, I think that it's fair to think that he's going to get to around the 6000 7000 price tag if he does what he did Tuesday against the, the Timberwolves. And uh, right now, I'm trying to use him while I can before he starts to get priced out of his spot. Yeah, I think, you, I think I'm think i a little um, little less high on him than you are. I know, I know you like him a lot. Um, I think he's going to be good for you know some, some spot three. Um, you know, for a big man that can shoot threes, he's, he's got some three-point potential, and you know he's going to get boards. I, I don't think... He, I don't think he's much of he's, he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be as consistent with the, the scoring like he had. Like he put up what was it? Twenty one points, ten rebounds. He had two blocks in that game. He sh- he took fifteen field goal attempts and he was th- uh, he was four from eleventh in the three point line. So of those fifteen field goal attempts, eleven were from the three point range. I understand that 
he's really only providing that. But at the same time, what kind of power forward option are you getting that is cheaper that can provide that type of um, will stretch the floor kind of area and then get the rebounds too? I don't I don't know many power forward options that are like that for under six thousand. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you're saying. I just would you say fifteen field goal attempts? Yeah, fifteen. That's, field goal there's attempts. no chance in hell he he sticks with that. Like I I really think he'll have like eight or nine a game. Uh, you know, moving forward. So I, I do agree that you know right now at his value, the price that he has right now, it's it's great value for him. Um, but even when you know if he starts um, going up, you know into the six thousand, seven thousand, like I'm 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 probably gonna be out on that. You know once that once that hits. I don't think it's that unreal to expect him to take fifteen field goal attempts. So I'm anticipating LeBron and Kyrie Irving get less minutes as the season progresses. I have a feeling the Cavs, with that Kevin Love injury, say, you know what. It's not necessarily worth us having the number one seed. We know we can win from other spots. We'll just make sure we have our stars resting a little bit more. Because Kevin, well, I'm sorry, uh, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving have two of the highest minute totals of guys in the NBA, especially LeBron at his age and considering all the miles he's already put on his body. The fact that he's leading the league or close to the league in minutes is amazing to me. So I'm anticipating a little less playing time for that, which means shots elsewhere. And while J.R. Smith coming back is a big deal, who else on that team is shooting the ball? I I just don't I don't know if LeBron's gonna let the let his coach do that I don't <laughs> I think LeBron's not gonna for his be health. taken off the court I don't like I think he's too um too I, I don't think he's gonna be okay with not being the top seed in the East I really don't think he'd do that um, so I I don't see I don't really see his minutes going down too much. Uh, what was the, all the reports in the summer? Oh, you still got you know the body of an eighteen-year-old. There was like a, <laughs> like a bunch of doctors' reports about it. Oh God, why would doctors be saying? That? Okay, that's a little that's a little fishy as it is, honestly. No, but uh, yeah, I just I I don't think he's gonna be. I don't think I I don't think he's gonna be comfortable giving up that many minutes and or you know the tops overall seed. So uh, I I still think he's gonna be dominating. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, so Love was averaging 14.8 shots through the, the 46 games that he's played this year. I'm not saying Channing Fry is going to step in immediately and take all those shots. I, but I think it is going to get spurred out a little bit more. You're talking about 9 to 10. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I was to be realistic about it, yes, I think that's probably where he would be attempting most nights. But it's not unreal for me to say 12 to 15, especially if the defenses are sagging are, are sagging off him a little bit yeah. in order to stop the drive and pick and rolls from Kyrie and LeBron. I, I think that there are going to be more options for him to shoot outside. Now, whether he makes them or not is going to be a different thing entirely. Um, but I don't think it's unreal to expect him to get uh, 10, 12, 15 shots when he's taken the court, especially if LeBron and Kyrie are not playing. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I see. I do see what you're saying. Well, we just kind of talked about the Tuesday perfect lineup. Uh, ben, I'm going to be completely honest with you right now. Wednesday's 14-game slate is is a lot to take in. It's a lot to handle, uh, and it's tough not to get overwhelmed, at least when looking at your DFS options for Wednesday, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, there's so many games. Like We thought 10 and 11 was a lot, but add three 14, more games on yeah. it. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're trying to fit in the games before the MB, uh, before the All-Star deadline. Um, yeah. Yep. I mean, we're going to have the All-Star break going on. Actually, this today's matchups, Wednesday, and then Thursday, there are two more games, and that's it. We won't be back until uh, at least a week after. So it, there's a lot of games that are trying to fit it in. I understand that. But 14 games, Ugh. it's a lot of fun if you're just watching. DFS-wise, oh, my God, I get that's a little That's tough to sort through for sure, yeah. Well, we're going to try our best here. So here's the 14 games that are going to be taking place on Wednesday. We start off with the Spurs and Magic at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Then we follow up with the Pacers, Cavs, 76ers, and Celtics start at 7.30 Eastern time. 
Mavericks, Pistons, 730 Eastern Time. Bucks, Nets, 730 Eastern Time. The Hornets and Raptors, not the Bobcats, Ben. The Hornets and Raptors, <laughs> 730 Eastern Time. We then go to the 8 o'clock slate where we have Pelicans, Grizzlies, Heat, Rockets at the 8 o'clock. Then Timberwolves, Nuggets, 9 o'clock. Blazers, Jazz, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Lakers, Suns, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Knicks, Thunder, 930 Eastern Time. Kings, Warriors at 1030 Eastern Time. And rounding out the 14-game slate, we have the Hawks and Clippers at 1030 Eastern Time. Again, a lot of games going on. Therefore, we have a lot of injuries that we kind of need to watch. But more so, we, we know most of the injuries that have taken place. There really aren't that many big ones that are swaying uh, lineups in my mind. And in fact, I think the biggest injury actually would be Kevin Love and Channing Fry taking his place just for DFS purposes. Uh, talking to DJ Trainer, one of the one of the experts at RotoWire for NBA purposes, he was talking. Channing Fry might, in fact, be one of those guys that is owned in 30, 40 percent of your leagues just because we saw how well he could do at least Tuesday. I have to agree with him, at least in the sense, because we're look, we're going to run through the injuries here. There's not a lot that we really haven't accounted for before or have talked about recently. Yeah, a lot of these injuries are are something that has been multi-game injuries, so we know who's filled in for them. FanDuel's kind of adjusted their value already, um, so it, it's it's been a little little tougher to find those you know, those cheap guys that all of a sudden become starters because of you know a random injury that pops up. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Most people are sitting their players out too because we know the the All Star break is coming up. So again, right, they get that extra week off. So yeah, you might as well just kind of do this. And and that's where I'm thinking when we see a lot of game time decisions, unless they've explicitly stated, oh yeah, I'm playing this game, I would anticipate them just being held out because why push it? Right. Yeah. If if, if you're dealing with something, you know, some soreness in your legs, you you might as well just get the game off and right. Yeah, and, and just wait till after the All Star break to bring bring those guys back. So I agree that a lot of these guys that are questionable, they're probably going to be you know held out. Right. I mean, let's just break down some of the injuries that we got in the 14-game slate. So we have the Spurs and Magic starting off at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Paul Gasol, we know he's been out for an extended time with that finger injury. Jody Meeks, C.J. Wilcox, thumb and Achilles injury respectively. Not really much fantasy value for them, at least fringe DFS purposes. They're both out um, for Wednesday's game. The Pacers and the Cleveland Cavaliers, we know Thad Young will be out with a wrist injury. He will be missing his sixth game in in a row. Lavoy Allen, who we had talked about Monday, we didn't know if he was going to play or not. In his matchup, well, he didn't play. He's a game-time decision Wednesday with his knee injury. Uh, if Allen is not we not, not playing, we could see Kevin Serafin getting another start at power forward. So he is one of the few cheap options I think you could find. But, again, we'll have to see if Lavoy Allen is actually able to play or not because Serafin likely isn't going to get many minutes if if Allen is out there. Yeah, and I, I think from what we've seen, Lavoy was a little more um, – I, I liked him a little bit better as a punt play option. Yes, uh, I Serafin was – yeah, he he was solid. Like I think he put up like fifteen to eighteen right. dual points in that start he had um, uh, on Monday. Was yes, it? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I think for the most part I'm probably staying away from Seraphin even if he starts. But Lavoy Allen could be an option, you know, if he ends up being cleared. And we had just said before, like if you're if you're hurt with just one game really to go until the All Star break, are you really going to play? And I think Allen's one of those guys that I could realistically see the Pacers saying, no, nah, we're just going to sit you, take the next week and a half off, it's fine. Uh, and I think that would probably be a fair play, uh, especially considering the Cavaliers are going to be starting Channing Fry. I don't really feel like there's any need to to rush out a power forward who has been hurt for a little while now. And we know Kevin Love obviously is out with a knee injury. J.R. Smith from the Cavaliers' side out with a thumb injury. I think J.R. Smith is one of those guys that could take those shots when he gets back, but for now... I think Fry is at least a decent enough option to use in your power forward spot if you're looking at more of a mid-play kind of guy. And I think he'll probably rise uh, in the coming days and weeks after this injury took place. 
Yeah, I think tonight will actually be, now that we get uh, Fry in the second game, I think it should be interesting to see if he falls off or if he can stay consistent. And I think that's going to you know, set the tone for you know, how many people are going to actually you know, want to keep him or, or yeah. stick with him. Absolutely. Going over to the 76ers-Celtics game, we know Joel Embiid will be out. He's missing his 11th straight game with a with a little more serious knee injury after what uh, the, the 76ers GM has let on in the past. Um, Jaleel Okafor will be playing off the bench, kind of a really helter-skelter last couple of days for him. He was involved in trade rumors, is still involved in trade rumors. He wasn't along with the team flight over to Charlotte, I think it was, and now he is back and he, he might be playing. He might be playing off the bench. We have no idea how much he will be playing. He's a guy that I'm staying away from entirely, honestly. And then on the, on the Celtics side, we know Jalen Brown will be out with a uh, hip injury and Avery Bradley will be out with an Achilles injury. That means another start for Marcus Smart. I don't even know if Avery Bradley is going to be necessarily ready to go after the All-Star break either. Yeah, I, 14 games, like that's a ton of games. And you don't, you know, when you're on, when you have that long of an absence, it's got to be something big. So, yeah, um, I don't know if another week's going to do it for me either. Well, and honestly, I, I think that, it, again, it's only helped, at least when I was talking a little bit on Twitter about this too, that basically Marcus Smart is a cheaper version of Avery Bradley at this point. And I think that um, Avery Bradley has a lot of trade value because his contract is so low in comparison to like what Matthew Delvadova and, and other players made during this offseason that, Maybe if you get Bradley back and and put him out there for a game or two just to show he's healthy, maybe he's a guy that gets dealt in a, in a bigger deal to to get a star player if those are out there. Yeah, I think his health is going to be big there as mm-hmm. still though. You know, I think the the trade deadline's coming up pretty quick, so whether they have enough time to showcase him a little bit there, that's it's true. questionable. Um, but yeah, that that's still to come. Looking at the Mavericks Pistons matchup, really only a, a few injuries to note here. Andrew Bogut will be available to play after he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. We're not really sure if he's going to start or not, but again, given that the All Star break is right around the corner, if he does play, I don't think it'll be that much. So if he gets the start, I'm not anticipating him getting a lot of minutes. Yeah, I bet you he'll just come off the bench, play like eight or nine minutes, and then they'll just call it a day. That'd be that'd be my guess on, yeah. on Bogut for sure. And we know that Darren Williams will be playing. He's been kind of in and out of the line of the past couple times. J.J. Bray will be out with the calf injury. That still means that Yogi Ferrell is going to have his opportunities as a mid-tier point guard option, and, he, and he's done fairly well with that. But uh, I think it remains to be seen really what you're asking from a, as far as DFS goes. Going over to the Bucks and Nets game, really own, only injury to note besides Jabari Parker being out, which we discussed on Monday. Trevor Booker is a game-time decision with a knee injury. It's listed as a soreness. doesn't sound that serious. Um, but we could see Rondé Hollis-Jefferson play if in, fact, uh, if, in fact, Trevor Booker is ruled out. Again, Booker might be one of those guys that the Nets decide not to play because of the All-Star break. But you have to remember, the Nets are really, really bad. And Booker's one of their lone bright spots that you might be able to flip him to get some sort of value at the trade deadline. So it might actually be worth them, worth it for them to play him and and get a few minutes out of him to show teams that he is in fact healthy. Yeah, I could see them taking that route, but at the same time, you know, if he does get held out, I mean, Book's, Booker's obviously been the better better of the two forwards between House Jefferson and himself. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of been a, a pretty pretty even timeshare. So it, you know, if, if Booker does get ruled out, I think House Jefferson actually could be a decent look for tonight. He's only forty five hundred. Um, on FanDuel. So, yeah, I think I'd be even be comfortable using him um, if Booker, you know, doesn't play. Moving over to the, the Bobcats. See, I wanted to do again Bobcats-Hornets matchup. The <laughs> Hornets and Raptors matchup. We have Ramon Sessions out with a knee injury. We know Cody Zeller was out with the the quad injury. That means Frank Kaminsky, the Frank the Tank, he's going to get another start. I know you're pretty jacked about that. Absolutely. Wisconsin fan I am as well. Uh, he's done pretty well since he's been in there, honestly. Yeah, he's, he's looked good. Uh, I think he's, if he can keep uh, shooting the ball pretty well from deep, I think there's going to be some some great value there. Um, when you when you're getting 
as many minutes as you're about to get with two centers out. Yeah. Um, you're going to pick up boards. As, the other, at the, center, the other but, center being Miles Plumley, who was acquired from the Bucks and really hasn't been able to do much since he's gotten there. Yeah. I think Frank Kaminsky is definitely a play. He's honestly getting priced to the point where I had to, I had to seriously consider if I want him in the lineup. We discussed Monday, uh, you had put him in your lineup and I said, I would have had two if we, if we weren't trying to do a little bit different things. But yeah, I think that Kaminsky's getting to that point, which is kind of a fun thing to think about. Yeah, he's he's getting up there in price. I, I agree that it was it was to the point where you you actually question it, and it's not like a foregone conclusion that you want him in there. Right. Um, but I just think yeah, two, both centers are out. It's like their their usual starter and Plumlee. Um, so I I just think he's gonna have like 35, 38 minutes tonight, and that's worth a price of fifty eight hundred. I think it was what he is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like it a lot tonight. Honestly, on the other side, this helps him more, too. We know Patrick Patterson is a game-time decision with his knee injury. He's been medically cleared to play, but we don't really know if he wants to test it again with the All-Star break right around the corner. Um, that, that could mean that Serge Ibaka, who was just acquired in that trade, and we discussed that earlier, will get to see some playing time. But I, I highly doubt that he jumps right away into the starting lineup and sees a lot of minutes. So whoever's going to be out there, it might not necessarily be a typical starter for the Raptors, which means that Kaminsky might be able to take advantage of more time against uh, well lesser talents really on the Raptors staff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just – it's his first game there. I think, there, like you said, there's going to be a little grace period with Ibaka. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm probably avoiding him for now. Um, until we get a better better idea of you know what his role will be and and or I guess as long as it's after the All Star break he should be good to go. But I would think so too. Yeah, getting, um, getting but a, for now I'm still holding off. And honestly, they were discussing some visa issues too that could be problematic at least for him initially, where he might not even be able to get to this game. So I I wouldn't play him obviously this this go around, but I'm anticipating after the All Star break, Ibaka is definitely a DFS option to own moving forward and to use frequently enough. Yeah, otherwise I think Lucas Nogera may be someone to consider. That's if Patterson's ruled out. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know the whole situation's kind of murky. Uh, Pascal Siakam's in there as well, so it's it's kind of an ugly deal. So until Ibaka gets there, it's it's hard to predict which guy's gonna you know be the main beneficiary. Moving over to the Pelicans-Grizzly matchup. Grizzly's notoriously a really good defensive option, so Anthony Davis might not be your guy to go as a high-priced dude. Um, although we know that Terrence Jones will be out with a thumb injury and Devontae Cunningham will be out with a personal thing. Uh, again, we didn't really know much discussion as for what the personal reason is, but after All-Star break, we might be able to see both those guys come back. Um, Dante Montanhuis might actually get to see some more minutes with those injuries, but... Really, that's it's not a, a deal breaker in any of those. I don't think that you use any Pelican against the Grizzlies, honestly, in tonight's slate. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, uh, Cunningham and Jones are both their top two options at power forward, um, and then they kind of used a makeshift lineup with uh, Alexis Ajinsa and, and Davis in their last game. Um, but I think yeah, Ajinsa only played 19 minutes, so I'm still avoiding that. If anything, like if we're if we're just shooting for. Broke here, yeah. He's shooting for broke. I think Modi Modi Jesus Modi Yunhas. <laughs> Demo, the, yeah, Demo is the guy that I'd probably look more towards, if anything. But at the same time, I'd probably rather stay away and and look elsewhere. For, I'm leaving for value. It. fourteen game slate. I'm leaving anybody playing the Grizzlies off my board. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, that's how it's gonna go. And kind of the same goes for this Miami Heat Houston Rockets matchup. We know Josh Richardson will be out with his ankle injury. That's the nineteenth straight absence for him. We also know that Eric Gordon will be back. Uh, he's expecting to play after a two-game absence due to a back injury. I think the only guy I'm using here is James Harden, and even then, I'm not sure I really want to touch him given his price. And the Heat are actually a relatively decent team defensively. No, I think there's better options else, elsewhere for higher-priced dudes. Yeah, I'm probably looking elsewhere as well. I, I think Harden's he's going to get his production, but yep. if, if if you're paying up that much, you, you want that guaranteed um, 
uh, guaranteed uh, value. Um, so I, I agree that the, the Heat are pretty decent, especially at you know um, defending shooting guards. And um, I think yeah, you're, I think you're probably right to to avoid that situation. Going over to the Timberwolves-Nuggets matchup, plenty of injuries to take note of here. So we have Lance Stevenson out with his ankle injury. He was pulled from Tuesday's game. We know Kenneth Freed will be out. Wilson Chandler will likely get his uh, get the start if he's uh, clear, but obviously he's not because he's out with an illness. So uh, Danilo Gallinari with a groin injury, he's out. Will Barton, who normally is a shooting guard, point guard option, he'll probably get the start at small forward. He played really, really well against the Warriors in that game where they hit 24 three-point shots. Um, we know that Emmanuel Moutier will be out with a back injury, so that means Jameer Nelson's getting the start. And then uh, Wancho's uh, Hernan Gomez will probably get another uh, lot of minutes, at least with all those names out on the Nuggets' side. Uh, going over to the Trailblazers' Jazz lineup, another team that I'm probably not touching as far as the Trailblazers go, thanks to the well, thanks to the Jazz's just impeccable defense. We have Evan Turner out with the hand injury. Hand injury. He's going to be another four to five weeks before we see him on the court. Alfrico Amino with the knee injury, he's going to be out, but probably more playing time for Noah Von Lane at Davis. Uh, Nurkovic, who was traded over last week, he is expected to play. And then from the Jazz side, Rodney Hood with his knee injury, he will be out for Wednesday's game. The Lakers-Suns matchup, really only one injury to note, that's Dragan Bender with his ankle injury. Not really a fantasy-relevant player anyhow, um, but that could be one of those more high-priced, kind of crappy games. I'm expecting a lot of rebounds, honestly, from both sides of it, so... If you feel comfortable using either player, uh, kind of the big players from that game, I would I would say go for it on that side. We have the Knicks Thunder. Joaquin Noah will be out with a hamstring injury, so Willie Hernan Gomez will start. Another solid enough DFS option for centers. He's been kind of hit or miss lately, even with Noah out. So I would be curious to see what happens there. We know Ennis Kanter, obviously, we have to mention him every time. Uh, the forearm injury, <laughs> he's out for an extended period because he punched a chair. Yes. <laughs> uh, going over to the Clippers-Warriors side, which will definitely be the best game to watch tonight. Uh, Ty Lawson will be game time decision with his leg injury. He left Tuesday's game early. We have Zaza Pachulic. He's been out a while. We know that Clay Thompson, he's one of the few guys I could see end up playing um, right around that all-star break stuff. He's game time decision with the heel injury, which caused him to miss Monday, but he's indicated that he will play Wednesday. So I'd still keep track of that right before tip off to see what happens, but expect Clay Thompson to be out there against the Clippers. And then finally, Sean Livingston is a game time decision with a personal issue. Not much more information on that. He's one of the key guys off the bench, but DFS purposes, I wouldn't really worry about him, especially if Clay Thompson is in fact going to play. And finally, the last game in the 14-game slate to worry about injury-wise, we have Tabo Savalosho for the Hawks going against um, the Clippers here. And then um, we well, we have Tabo Savalosho going against the Clippers. Game time decision, he's missed the last eight games. Tim Hardaway would benefit again. And then Chris Paul, obviously, was a thumb injury. He will be out. Uh, just going back earlier, I had talked about the Golden State Warriors and Clippers. I meant to say the Sacramento Kings. That'll be still a game, I think, to watch especially if DeMarcus Cousins can get his points against the normally stingy Warriors defense. So we just mentioned a whole bunch of injuries from there, Ben. Who are you really uh, matchup-wise looking at for this for DFS purposes? Yeah, I think there's a, there's like two or three games here where there's the best value, I think, that we, we can find. Uh, there could be some value in that. The Kings-Warriors game we just mentioned uh, could be a Matt Barnes showing. You know, he's his value's kind of uh, risen ever since all these injuries occurred. So that's kind of tough. Uh, but at the same time, I think Darren Collison, he's not cheap. Um, but I think he's at a price where he's going to get so many minutes, especially if Lawson sits out. That I think that's going to be a really good situation to um, to be in. The, the Warriors do play pretty decent defense against guards, um, but at the same time, if Lawson does sit out, Garrett Temple's already out. Collison's really the only other ball handler there, so I'd expect him to get minutes in the upper 30s, which you know should be pretty pretty clutch for him. 
Um, and then the Boston-Philadelphia game is another one um, we can look at. No Avery Bradley, no Jalen Brown. Um, we, we already mentioned Marcus Smart and talked about him before, so I think he's going to be solid at his price. Um, and then on the uh, – Center side for the center. The center. Oh yeah, and then we, <laughs> that's we, just messing itself. That's that's ugly. Uh, Okafor, we we just don't know exactly what they're exactly. going to do with him. You know, um, he's still going to be traded. Like it's going to happen. I would I would assume so. We had discussed Monday how horrible it would be if he wasn't traded off. Just so. like yeah, after all of this, he just he stays there. No, he he's going to be traded at some point. So I, I I just I feel like they might even just not play him. You know, like it's so it's such a situation to avoid. Maybe even. I'd temp, like tentatively consider um, Nerland's Noel tonight, depending on how risky you really want to get with uh, with that situation. But uh, yeah, there there could be some value in that Boston Philadelphia game as well. I think if I was to look at matchups to to target with injuries in accordance to DFS, I'm looking at the the Timberwolves and Nuggets game. The fact that you have so many guys from the Nuggets that are out or injured, it just leaves someone or anyone that can fill in for those minutes. We saw them play Monday with nine guys, nine guys playing out there. So it's really tough to find a lot of uh, injured players in the DFS like they're undervalued. I think the Nuggets probably could have all of them. Like if we were to, if we were to look at that, we're trying to build a lineup with cheap guys and the stars and scrubs type of deal. Nuggets might be the team that you're targeting. And by the way, the Timberwolves aren't that great defensively at a few key positions, point guard, power forward. Uh, well, power forward, they're actually pretty good, but point guard, small forward comes to mind initially. I mean, it's not like, what I would normally target when we're talking about top five defenses allowing Fando points. Yeah, yeah. They don't really jump out there, but they're certainly not really stingy either. So I'm looking at a lot of Nuggets guys to, to kind of fill that, fill that void. And if you're looking for smaller, cheaper options with your star scrubs, that might be the way to go. I would definitely, definitely look there. I think, like you said, there's, there's two or three guys um, that have some solid prices that have a pretty darn good chance of going off. I know one guy specifically, Will Barton, Come on, you're, this is foreshadowing. Just, we just, talk about I this all the time, Ben. Will Barton, man, he's like the lock of the night. I don't want to say. Um, I'm not going to lie. Just, I, I did cheat a little bit. Uh, I sit next to DJ Trainer again, our NBA expert, and he's a fantastic DFS option. I would definitely listen to him when he get a chance. But I was listening to him talk a little bit pregame stuff on a different show for his DFS options, and he was proclaiming left and right, Will Barton is the lock of the night. It so is, yeah. The fact for sure. that you're rolling with him too <laughs> makes me feel even more confident that I have him in my lineup. <laughs> Yeah, I think what yeah, he almost triple doubled on Monday when Against the Warriors. Yeah, and this whole same group was all out as well. So it's he's the guy. I know he's gonna line up at small four, but he's probably gonna take most of the ball handling options. He's he's gonna be out there maybe 35, 36, 37 minutes. We could easily border on forty, and that's this obviously if it doesn't go to overtime. So I think that as long as he stays out of foul trouble, he stays healthy, Will Barton is going to get his points, and he, he is definitely one of the most consistent options to look at, especially when we're considering the injury slate that we have. Yeah, and he, his price is up a little bit. That's, that's it's tough. That's to He's 6400 but like when, you, when you're playing that well and there's like no one else available to play, uh, that's understandable. Quickly, Ben, before we get to our games uh, and our lineups that we have, what in the world is your strategy, just on a, on a, a macro level, for the 14-game slate, this is by far the biggest one that we have covered. Um, it was definitely intimidating for me when I'm first going through this. But how were you even putting together bits and pieces of your lineup to start out? Yeah, we've got 10 guys over over $10,000 for tonight's Unbelievable. slate, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I think the first thing you're, you're going to want to do is try to target one or two of those guys um, that you have that you think has the best matchup. And then, then from there, it's all about finding value. You know, the more value you can find on the lower tiers, um, the, the more higher price guys you can actually add in above. 
Um, unfortunately, aside from that Nuggets game, I, I really struggled to, to find a bunch of value at the lower tiers. So I was actually stuck grabbing a good chunk of, you know, high upside guys in the, in the upper 5,000s. And that still allowed me to, you know, get a couple more, um, com- couple more of those higher tiered guys. Um, you know, not as many as I'd like because I, I didn't have any, you know, 4,000 high 3,000 like near minimum right. contracts right. To, to slip in there. Um, but yeah, that was kind of what I was stuck with was trying to find those um, upside guys in the 5,000s where I could slip those in and still get a couple, you know, higher price guys in there. Well, before we break down our lineups and the optimizer lineup from RotoWire, let's go ahead and give our read from FanDuel. Baseball is just around the corner. Don't get stranded on first base without a RotoWire subscription, and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six month RotoWire subscription. That's right, free six month RotoWire subscription. Uh, go to fanduel.com slash rotowire to claim. Must be a new Fanduel user in order to be el- eligible for the prize. Users may only establish one account on Fanduel. Again, a six month rotowire subscription just by going on to fanduel.com slash rotowire. All right, let's break down the rotowire optimizer lineup. Um, it's it's got a lot of varying degrees, and it kind of is echoing what you were just saying for your strategy. But we'll kind of go through this, and let's see what you have for your your thoughts on it. At point guard for the Rotoware Optimizer lineup, we have Darren Collison going against the Warriors at 5900, and TJ McConnell going against the Celtics at 5600. McConnell, of course, being the most clutch shooter in NBA today. We have the shooting guard options of the Greek Freak going against the Nets at 10,800, and Demar Derozan against the Hornets at 8,700. At small forward, we have two cheaper options again at Michael Beasley going against the Nets at 4,900. And Aaron Gorin going against the Spurs at 4,500. Surprise, surprise. We have LaMarcus Aldridge at power forward for the Magic at 7,300. I'm going, sorry, going against the Magic at 7,300. And Gory Yang going against the Nuggets at 5,600. And rounding out the Rotoware Optimizer lineup, we have Greg Monroe going against the Nets for 6,500. So, Ben, any thoughts that you have immediately looking at the Rotoware Optimizer lineup? Actually, I, I do really like the Optimizer for tonight's games. I, I kind of have a very similar lineup, similar group of players. Um, I, I think it capitalizes on some good matchups. It, it pays up for Giannis and DeMar DeRozan. Um, both players I'm, I'm comfortable using for tonight's slate. Obviously, more comfortable with Giannis there. And, um, DeRozan's been on and off a little bit lately, so I'm not fully fully on board with him. But I think at the same time, he's still he's still a guy that can go off on any given day. So if you're paying up for that, um, that that's, that's an option. Um, then, but unfortunately, it still has the never-ending love for, for uh, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Gordon. Gordon. So. I, I'm not on board there, especially against the Spurs, too. It's not like it's a great matchup where right. he's, you know, got this beautiful matchup against some lower-tier player. Like, it, this optimizer, it just loves Aaron Gordon. I, I will say that Aaron Gordon is priced significantly lower than what we have been seeing him in the past. I mean, yeah. we discuss him every Monday and Wednesday, it seems like, and he's definitely around the 5,200 to 5,400 range, it feels like, on FanDuel. So the fact that he's at 4,500, this has to be one of his lowest-priced options, it feels like. Um at the same time, I absolutely agree with you. I'm leaving him off my lineup, yeah. as I do most times, um, but especially against the Spurs, I'm not really fascinated by that. However, to me, it's it's amazing with such a high slate of games, and this is kind of going to what you were talking about earlier, that there just isn't a lot of value to be fined. The fact that the lowest-priced option that the optimizer suggests for Wednesday's 14-game slate is 4500 which is the aforementioned Gordon, is astounding to me. Like, I, I thought that there was there would be more value to be found, but that kind of just goes to show what we've been dealing with. We know most of the injuries that are going to happen or have happened. Yeah, guys' prices have already been, you know, They've already adjusted been adjusted, for it. fixed. Like, yeah. we, we don't, there isn't a lot to find there. And when I'm trying to bargain bin shop a little bit, so to speak, and before I was putting together my lineup, my 
first thought was 14 game slate. Great. I'm going to be able to find a lot of cheap guys to be able to put together. So I'll just try to put as many high price guys as I could in there. And that was not the case. And that's kind of what the optimizer is telling me too. So it doesn't seem like that's an option that you'll be able to have. And in, in this obviously isn't a lineup that you want to use for the Millie maker kind of thing. I think there, this is more of a double up lineup, but even yeah, then yeah. I don't know if this lineup necessarily caches in the double up line, uh, double up lineup. So to me, I think you take bits and parts of this and see the overall strategy the optimizer is suggesting and decide, okay, which way do I want to go? Do I want to go with stars and scrubs or do I want to use this more consistent approach and spread the money out across all the positions? And that's kind of what you're saying. And, and honestly, that's kind of how I'm setting my lineup too. Yeah, like you said, it does depend on whether you're going for tournaments or double ups. You know, you may be a little more conservative with double ups, whether, um, but, but then if you're going for a tournament, you may want to try and, you know, maybe risk it on some of those guys that are a little lower that you don't usually um, consider options and then, you know, try and stuff some of those, those top tier, one of those 10, 10,000 pl- uh, dollar players up above. Right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to our lineups. Ben, how about you give me your point guard option first, and then we'll kind of talk about that and then we'll go through my point guard options and keep switching off back and forth positions. Yeah. So I'm going with Darren Collison against the Warriors, uh, 5,900 decently priced. And then also with TJ McConnell, most clutch shooter in the NBA, <laughs> yeah, right. a couple of game winners already, um, <laughs> against the Celtics. And he's at, uh, 5,600, 5, You're just um, copying the optimizer now. You're right. You're right. I did. <laughs> I did steal that directly from the optimizer. No, but yeah, with Collison, the Warriors generally, generally do defend, uh, guards pretty well. So that's, that's a little scary. Um, but he's still a guy I'm expecting to have a pretty big night. Um, who do the Kings are down a ton of bodies in the backcourt. Garrett Temple, um, Ty Lawson was pulled from Tuesday's game, mm-hmm. so there's a chance, you know, he doesn't end up playing. Um, so I, he's he's really the only natural ball handler healthy. Um, so I think that's that's going to be a ton of minutes. He, uh, looks like the last three was 40 minutes, 41, and 44 minutes. Yeah, by default, it almost feels like Collison's going to be out there and playing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's, he's still cheap too. Like it's not like he's at six, seven thousand. He's at 5,900. Five times the value you're looking at, 30 FanDuel points. Given that he's he's out there and playing 40 to 45 minutes a night, it is absolutely not unreasonable to suggest yeah. that he can get 30 FanDuel points. Exactly, a ton of upside. Even against a stout Warriors defense. Exactly, yeah. No, I agree. And then uh, McConnell, kind of like Collison, still in the mid-5,000s mm-hmm. range. Um, struggled a bit with consistency, but um, he's had 29, 33, and 32 FanDuel points the last three games. You know, he's a guy that's going to rack up assists pretty consistently. Um, and he can get a few boards and pick up a, uh, a few steals. The thing is, he's just not really relied upon much for his scoring, and that's that kind of hurts his value a little bit there. Um, but, you know, if on the off chance he does have a, a pretty big game um, on the offensive side of the ball, like that, that's there's some uh, some upside there. Because, he already, yeah, like I said, he has, he's so consistent with his assists um, that there's, there's a floor there where um, if he does turn it around and put up some points, it, that's an easy over 30. Well, you know, and the other thing that he's not uh, really relied upon is his defense, which really, really transitions well to my point guard options for the night. I think Isaiah Thomas at 10,000 even is going to be a guy that I'm looking to target at point guard. He's obviously going against the 76ers, and then my other point guard option is Jimmy or Nelson going going against the Timberwolves at 5,300. Simply put, I think Thompson's going to score, and he's going to score a lot. Um, I I don't think he's going to drop 40 points or anything like that, but he's been a pretty consistent force for a while now. I remember talking in a podcast two or three weeks ago saying how I thought Isaiah Thomas was a guy that was going to even out uh, price-wise closer to the 9,000 range. 
Um, and you have been really high on him earlier on, and he's really been pretty consistent right around this this area. And obviously, the, the 76ers aren't that good defending point guard options. To me, if I'm going to pay up for a high guy, I want him to be consistent. I've been burdened that by the past, especially Monday's Gordon Hayward usage at 8,200 <laughs> on Monday. He was horrible. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm looking for guys that can be consistent when I'm paying up for him. And really, despite the fact that there are so many 10,000-plus guys, there aren't that many that have just easy matchups you can target right away. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas is one of the few, and he's definitely one of the guys I'm looking at at point guard. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas is is someone who's so consistent, and you, you got to love to see that. He's also extremely short. I'm short. you got to show the love for the short guys. <laughs> I was wondering where we're going with this when you said that you're extremely short. Yes, he is very short. I actually just saw, and I'm not sure if you saw this, a picture of 16-year-old Isaiah Thomas and 16-year-old Kevin Love standing yeah, next to yeah. him. That was that fascinating was hilarious. to me. Yes, because Kevin Love looked still about the same height as he is compared to Isaiah Thomas now. So it was fascinating to me that even at 16 years old, we could see the the height discrepancy going on there. <laughs> they looked a little different. They obviously looked younger, but right. I could definitely see a 16-year-old Kevin Love and Isaiah Thomas in that picture. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. I, I did get a good kick out of that. But yeah, no, I agree. Isaiah Thomas is... He's in. I think he's in line for a pretty decent, decent showing against the Sixers. I'm going to spoil your shoot guarding or shooting guard options now because we actually, in fact, have the same shooting guard options when we're putting together our lineups. So we have the Greek Freak at 10,800. He is my second and only other 10,000 plus option in my lineup uh, going against the Nets. And then we have Will Barton, who we both love at 6,400 going against the Timberwolves. Ben, is there any real thing that you want to tell the listeners about those two shooting guard options, or is it pretty cut and dry at this point? I think we already talked about Barton enough where, you know, I've I've already considered him the lock of the night, if anything. Um, he's going to get so many minutes with, like, five or six guys ruled out. They only have nine <laughs> bodies. Like... Your your buddy heel lock of the nights are way more expensive than my buddy heel lock of the nights. I just <laughs> yeah. want to point that out to the listeners. That, that is true. I'm trying to find cheaper options. And in fact, Dwayne Dedman on Monday ended up providing just about what I'm looking for from my buddy heel lock of the night. But you you just throw out these 6,500 guys That's... like you're some wizard at getting uh, really cheap <laughs> options, and I don't think it's fair. Oh, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You are taking a little bit more of a risk with your with your choices. I'm just I'm just trying to be right. <laughs> what do you mean I'm trying to be right too? I'm just trying to write for the well, value I have a better that we're shot at it. being right with, with well, that's taking not those. Quite fair, I feel like, but fine. Okay. So um, go ahead. We, we we talked about Will Barton enough, but why do you think that Greek Freak is going to be such a good option to play? Well, yeah, there's no Jabari Parker anymore. Giannis is going to be have to be a one man show. I mean, uh, Chris Middleton, he's going to help a lot, but he's still being eased into the action, so it's still pretty much on um, Giannis's shoulders shoulders going up against arguably the worst team in the league you got the nets i don't know if that's arguably anymore no they suck (laughs) i I think you're being polite by saying arguably (laughs) but i'm pretty sure the nets are in fact the worst team in the in the nba yeah i think they're probably top five or points given up in like every single position um so that that's that's fantastic for dfs wise right (laughs) right he had a bit of a downer uh against the pistons on monday i think he only had like eight points four boards and six assists um so that was ugly but i fully expect a bounce back game especially against the Nets. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, I, in fact, I think it's it's pretty much a unanimous choice um, who I would like to use in, in sh- uh, shooting guard at least. And honestly, I think that goes for both double-ups and tournaments. I think Will Barton and Greek Freak are really good options to use when you're trying to get that you know high-priced cash turnout there. I don't know how many people are going to own Barton. I have a feeling it's going to be a higher amount. So maybe yeah, if you're looking yeah. for variance, especially in a 14-game slate, you decide not to use him. But at least for double-up purposes, man... That's about as, as gold as you're going to get. Um, I know that I joke about the Buddy Heal Lock the Knights for you, but, <laughs> yeah, those that, that's, a, that's a pretty easy play for me as well. Yeah, both of those guys are great. 
At small forward, I'm going to be playing Carmelo Anthony going against the Thunder at 8,200. And then the only buddy heel lock of the night to not work for me, I'm going to go back to the well in this and go with DeMar Carroll. I'm not making him a buddy heel lock of the night. I think that's, I don't want to push the envelope too much in that. But going against the Hornets at 4,200, I think that's a, a pretty relatively cheap option at small forward who gets the minutes um, and might actually play a lot with, with Serge Ibaka potentially not playing and Patrick Patterson not getting as many minutes. I think they'll have to figure that out somehow. So if Carroll gets 30, 30-plus minutes that we're expecting, uh, it's not unreasonable for me to expect uh, 20 to 25 Fanduel points from him. Yeah, I'm not a huge Carroll guy, but I do see where you're coming from. The last three games, he had 40 minutes, 36 and 34. So when you're paying down, the minutes are there. Right. Um, you might as well, you know, especially if you're trying to get some higher price guys in there. That's that's a that's a solid play. And I think Carmelo Anthony speaks for himself. I'm expecting some scoring. I'm expecting a little bit of rebounding. Not much passing, but that's kind of his mo. That's been his mo for his whole career. So at 8200, you'll never see him really get too much higher than that. Than that, I think at least especially in this Knicks turmoil that he's going through. Um, but at the same time, you know he's going to get his scoring points, and the Thunder actually allow a, a decent amount of FanDuel points to small forwards. So to me, this seemed like a pretty easy play, and I wanted to see if I could get cheaper guys, I'm sorry, more expensive guys up there, but not so much where it break the bank and force me to go punt plays at other spots. So yeah, yeah. I think if I was to name one player in my lineup as a punt play, punt play it would definitely be Carroll, but the same time what he's getting in minutes that's kind of what works works well when we're doing these things and like danny green that we discussed on monday he did pretty well i think the same type of thing could happen here yeah no i i, I definitely agree there who do you um, have for, at small forward for me i'm going uh gordon hayward actually why yeah he absolutely <laughs> blew it for you on monday um you had 13 fando points let me just let me just reiterate that uh, um <laughs> please don't so i guarantee you he turns it around then yeah. it goes off you yeah, know? probably right that's just how it goes yeah um you know, his price dropped $400, not that much, but um, in, in in two days, that's that's fantastic for me. So he's 7700 which is a nice start. You know, he's, he's going up against a Trailblazers team that gives up a decent amount of points to, to small forwards. Uh, the Trailblazers uh, usually try and play at a quicker pace, too. So, you know, despite the fact that the Jazz usually t- uh, try and slow it down, um, there's I think there's still going to be more opportunities for Hayward to get some shots off. So I do like that play, and I think he's at one of his lowest values this season at 7700 which is usually what I'm trying to get to get after. Um, for power forward, I've kind of discussed both of my options already, and really we've kind of discussed a few of your options too. So uh, we're just going through it quickly. Channing Fry going against the Pacers at 5000 price tag. I expect he'll probably be one of the higher-priced guys to own, um, but at the same time, I think if we're asking him to get 30 FanDuel points, that's a very reasonable expectation. And even then when he got uh, on, Mon- yeah, on Monday slate, he had like – I'm sorry, Tuesday, whenever he played last. I'm, I'm really blanking on it right now, but he had 33 Fanduel points before, and I think that's that's probably akin to what we're going to see. And in fact, I think his price will definitely rise in the coming days. Now, I will say there are a lot of cheaper power forward options out there, so if you want to deviate from Channing Fry, there are a lot around that 5,500 to 5,000 range that you could, in fact, use and probably capitalize on. So don't feel trapped into using Fry by any means. I just think uh, he, he'll definitely do pretty well going against the Pacers. And then the other side of the coin for my power forward option, I'm taking the lesser of the Hernan Gomez brothers. Uh, <laughs> and I really have a hard time saying his first name, so you'll have to forgive me, but Juancho, I think. Is that close enough, Ben? That sounded pretty good to me, Juancho. Right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Going 4000 for the price tag, we know that uh, the Nuggets don't have many options at different spots. We're expecting him to at least play center. He could play some uh, small forward, even power forward options. Uh, he's going to play. That's all I really need to know. In a 4,000, I think it'd be wildly unrealistic to him to expect him to not score more than 20 Fanduel points. So to me, that's the one cheap option I feel 
very confident that you can use and, and start with some reliability. Yeah, I think he, he's only four thousand. Like right. that's that's great value for him. He would you say forty some Fanduel points? I think. Yeah. Um, in the in their last game, I, I there's one thing you got to consider. Mason Plumlee is probably making his debut tonight, so that could take a little bit um, of his minutes. But you know, it's not like he's upwards of five thousand, six thousand. So he's still at a decent um, decent price enough where it's still a guy I'm targeting as well. Um, not enough, for to cheaper. Put, not enough to put in your lineup, though, right? Not not enough to put in my lineup. No, I agree. That that didn't happen. I'm actually going with Frank Kaminsky. Oh, shocking. Um, <laughs> yeah, Got to roll with our Wisconsin guys. Yeah. Uh, Frank Kaminsky and Julius Randle. We already went into Kaminsky. You know, there's no Zeller, um, no Plumlee. He's going to get like 38, high 30s in minutes, I think, at least. Right. Um, you know, he doesn't have the most favorable matchup against Valanchunas. Um, I, just, I just think he's going to have enough minutes where he's bound to have a decent night. Um, and then Julius Randle. Uh, Randle's actually on the opposite spectrum of Kaminsky because Kaminsky's at his highest price that he's been all season, and Randle's actually at his lowest price of all season. He's just 5700 for tonight. Um, you know, he was in the 7000s earlier this season, so that's a pretty big price break for him. Um, he's been stuck in the 20s uh, over the Lakers' last four games, so that's been a little sketchy there. Um, but he's going up against the Suns, which is a slump breaker waiting to happen. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love the matchup. That's probably a good way of putting their whole team. I think yeah. they're just slump breakers. Yeah, they gave up the fourth most fantasy points to power forwards on average this season. You know, so his his prize ability to put up a double double on any given night, I, I do like him uh, a lot for tonight's tonight's round. Rounding up my lineup on Wednesday's 14-game slate, I have Steven Adams going against the Knicks at 6,100. Knicks are a mess at center. Um, while I like Hernan Gomez, the better of the two brothers, uh, to be starting for the Knicks and, and honestly could be playing at his price, 5,800. I actually thought Adams was the better play. Adams gets plenty of rebounds, and in fact, the Knicks allow, I think, what was the second fan, second most Fanduel points to centers in the last five games. It actually could have been the most. Like They've just been tortured, it feels like, and, and with Noah out, um, at least till after the All-Star break, this is pretty much a no play from no no brainer play for me when it comes to the center spot. I don't like that he's sixty one hundred. I think I would love to get him a little cheaper at that, but at the same time, um, the value is too much to pass up here. And and sticking to kind of the theme that we've discussed for this whole Wednesday slate, the fact that he's a little cheaper um, but not breaking the bank too much that works enough for me. Yeah, our lack of lower tier guys. You're trying to find some sort of value. And uh, Stephen Adams as a center, he's he's. He's one of those guys you do like to find in that middle middle tier when you can't pay up for a center. Um, pretty safe floor with rebounds. Most of his value, like it, it, when he goes off, it's going to be if he can score points, and that's that's his downfall. But um, I, th- I do think that there's enough upside there where it's it's someone I'd consider playing. Who do you have at center quickly here? Um, yeah, to finish off, I'm going Al Horford. You know, it's another matchup based pick for me going up against the Sixers, still without Joel Embiid. Um, they have Okafor and Nerlens Noel, but. I think Horford can take advantage of that younger talent there. Um, he's been priced in the 7,000s for all but two games this season. So this is another guy that's dropped in price to, I believe, like 6,800 now. So um, another cheaper cheaper option. Not not necessarily cheap, but cheaper than he usually is. Right. Um, so I, I do like that as well. Well, that does it for us in our Wednesday NBA DFS slate. Again, 14 games going on, so a lot to unpack. Make sure you stay tuned to the RotoWire opt- uh, well, op- Optimizer page, too, but the RotoWire news channel to see any breaking news injuries that come before the games are announced. Um, I think just quickly that we are now tied in our DFS lineup battles. Uh, you definitely took care of business against me on Monday. I'm looking to get back in the grind here for this go around. And that does it for us for at least another week because we have the NBA All-Star break going on. So uh, with that, Ben, where can the people find you at on Twitter? Give me a Ben man doing work. 
still the best M- well still not I was gonna say the best NBA Twitter <laughs> still the best Twitter handle at Rotowire and of course you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports so that does it again for us on the Wednesday NBA DFS slate uh, I hope I have the best luck to everyone there everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.